0: Welcome to Nothing Confidential, the podcast. I'm Kristen Henke, your hostess with the mostest, guide from the side, and mistress of ceremonies. As a somatic sex coach, I believe that pleasure, connection, and authentic expression are a function of safety. My desire for this platform is to normalize topics that have been thought of as unsafe or shameful. Conversations around sex, money, trauma, spirituality, loss. These are the conversations that shape us. When we approach these exchanges with curiosity, compassion, nuance, and a dollop of humor, we create room for people to feel seen and heard in both their unique and collective experiences. In other words, this is a soft place to have hard conversations. I'm so honored to have you here. Shall we commence? Welcome to Nothing Confidential. If this is your first time, I'm so excited to have you here and so grateful. I know there are so many shows out that you could be listening to, and I'm amazed and filled with sensation that you chose us and you found your way here. And to those of you who have been along this crazy ride the entire time, welcome back. I'm really, really excited, and if I'm being Completely honest, a little bit nervous to share this month's conversation with you. It is a conversation that I have never had on the podcast in three seasons. And I'm going to let your imagination get you in trouble a little bit because (laughs) you might be having a hard time figuring out. What could possibly have me so nervous and uncomfortable? I mean, I am a woman who has publicly shared the name of my live-in postpartum hemorrhoid. So, yeah, it's not about sex. This conversation is not about sex or sexuality. Um, As you all know who have listened to the new season, season three, I took a bit of a departure from the original format of the show, and we are diving into fewer but incredibly deep conversations. So, taking a very quality over quantity approach to this year and only releasing. 12 conversations around topics that I feel are incredibly important that are often stigmatic or taboo and in the ongoing spirit of this show and its mission and my heart's desire creating more safety and normalizing much of these conversations and that includes today's conversation. Uh, My guest is actually not new to the show. She was on last summer, Miss Tori Washington, and I actually have to take a moment to just reflect back on the journey from when I first had her on the show to this conversation I had with her very recently. Her original bio read that she's a transformational speaker and wealth embodiment coach who went from bankruptcy to multiple six figures in just 18 months. She is now, her company has gone to well over a million. Uh, They crossed over a million in October. My first episode with her aired in June Um, But she is the founder of the Wealth Embodiment Flow, which is a movement-based manifestation practice that she founded in 2019 to support women in going beyond the surface-level money mindset. Wealth Embodiment Flow guides you on a journey of financial transformation and today has supported over 1,200 women in saying yes to reclaiming their wealthiest expression. So this was June of last year. I know that also since this, in addition to crossing over a million in business, she has hosted multiple masterclasses with thousands of women inside of them in just the last couple of months. So the number of women impacted is incredibly, is so much higher at this point. And this is a a woman who has blown up. And I have been there to witness it and it has been incredible. And so when I originally asked her back onto the show, I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about women in success and staying embodied as you evolve through the different layers and levels on the rise to that success. I wanted to talk about what it felt like to be a millionaire. I wanted to talk about so many things and definitely had probably a more business-related conversation in mind than what ended up unfolding. And if any of you missed that very first conversation, it might be kind of fun for you to go back and listen to it. It was episode 45. It was part of season two And the title of it was Embody Wealth and Getting Liberated as Fuck with Tori Washington. (laughs) And it was such a powerful conversation. It was soul shifting for me. I had a massive breakthrough with her on the air live when we had that conversation. And I will never be the same. And I've never been the same since. And I have been a part of her community and learning from her teachings. And I even joined her embodiment, her wealth embodiment program or membership, the house of we, and I am continually just blown away by this woman's wisdom and the, just the, the visceralness of her. She is so anchored and so in her body and she walks into the room knowing what she brings, knowing the impact that she facilitates, knowing what she's worth. And I think that just having her as a model has been so important. Having her as permission, having her as evidence of what is possible has been such a powerful catalyst. And I am so excited to have her back and to be having the conversation that you're about to hear At this point in her evolution, as well as in my evolution, and in extension, in all of your evolutions, you are also here for a reason, hearing this conversation at this time for a reason. And I have always been a deep believer in trusting the timing of our lives. I don't think that anything happens one minute sooner or later than it's supposed to. And so as nervous as I feel about putting this conversation out into the world, I also trust that it is the exact, precise, right time to do it. So I will give you a little bit, (laughs) this conversation definitely unfolds, in two kind of distinct parts. I didn't split it up though, because I believe that everything we talk about goes together. And I actually don't want to separate them. And... As you hear the conversation, you'll understand a little bit more why I I want to stop separating the topics that we go over in this conversation. So part one, I enter the conversation with Victoria and I am so nervous, which was really strange. It was a really strange experience because I'm not someone who generally gets nervous uh, before speaking or before interviews, and it doesn't really matter who it is. And And especially not when it's someone who I know relatively well that I've spoken to before, that I have great rapport, good chemistry with. You know, there was no conscious reason I could think of to be so nervous. And when I came on the mic with her, I could feel myself. I was so shaky. I could feel my voice shaking. I was trying to keep it calm and smooth. I, <laughs> my heart was pounding out of my chest. I could like, hear the blood pumping in my ears and I just, I was so confused by it. And I almost wondered if I was getting sick and I thought that maybe I should cancel <laughs> the conversation, but Victoria is a very, very busy woman. And I was worried that if I did that, I wouldn't be able to get her back on in a timely fashion. So I went ahead, I passed the nerves off as, you know, girl crushing and also just feeling overwhelmed because she is the kind of person, the last time we sat down, pure magic happened. The kind of magic that you can't plan for. You just open your mouth, you start talking and shit comes out and it is transformative. And so there, I... I kind of internalized a bit of pressure because I wanted to make the absolute best use of our time together. I wanted to get as much value as I could, you know, from this woman's genius for all of you in the community. I just, I really wanted this conversation to be deep and juicy and I wanted it to exceed the magic of the first conversation. And so I think I kind of brought all of that in with me And little did I know that 40 minutes into the conversation, I would end up changing lanes completely and having a conversation that I have never, ever publicly had. And a conversation that has been, I mean, from one perspective, 32 years in the making and from another perspective, 10 years in the making. and I'll get to that in just a minute, but the first piece, once we got rolling, the first piece of the conversation was really beautiful, and I believe that there's so much support and wisdom in it for the entrepreneur, the business part of you, the feminine, like I, there's so much here that was so powerful, and even re-listening to it, I was taking notes because it was hitting with me on a deep level. And so, some of the things we talked about in the first portion of the conversation were what happens when we shift from having a big vision to being held by our vision. We talk about the exhale we get to have when we tap into the currency of peace. That was a concept that is new to me and it landed in my body in a very somatic way. The difference between originality and embodying our original assignment. That was freaking juicy and eye-opening. We are talking about how to stop judging our dissatisfaction and allow it to fuel our creativity, the difference between alignment and momentum. And we get into a really yummy, sticky kind of conversation around women and our... the the humanness and the divinity of women and the rise of women and how everyone talks about how much we want to see women rise but sometimes we only mean that in as much as as long as we're the ones who are not being left behind like if we rise first and people can rise with us that's great but what happens when someone gets what you want the most before you. Like what happens when you're putting in all this work and you're on this journey and then your sister's on this journey too and she gets there before you. And it was such a perfect timely thing to talk about. There's so much gold there. So I really really encourage you to come to this conversation prepared to take notes, even if you're if you are out on a walk, Like, pull up the notes section in your phone so that you can just type out the jewels kind of as they drop in. Because this first portion of the conversation is really, I I believe that she gave really tangible, insightful directives and suggestions and invitations that will benefit and nourish you and your business and your next evolution. That being said, We then take a turn, take a hard left into uncharted territory for me. So many of you who have been listening to Nothing Confidential since it came out, you know that part of my story is that I am ex purity culture, I am a sex coach, and I work with a lot of women who grew up in the church and learned, you know, basically the religious shame around their bodies and sexual expression and pleasure and autonomy and all of these things. And so a lot of my early conversations on the show... I didn't dig into it a ton. I would have guests on to talk about it. I talked to other people who came from similar backgrounds and shared their stories and shared bits of my personal experience along the way as they were sharing. But I didn't ever, I've never really talked about what has happened or been happening in my spiritual deconstruction sense. And here we are in season 3, and while I still work with supporting a ton of women in their own deconstructions, I'm not very public about my process and about where I stand spiritually and what things look like all of these years later. I began my formal deconstruction at 19. And I've moved through so much trauma and pain and rage in the last 10 years. And it's really only been in the last two years that I've been able to find the safety in my own body. And so much of this comes from all of the in-depth training I've been doing For my own work around somatic experiencing, um, somatic trauma renegotiation, these tools that I've learned to support my clients with have also been incredibly powerful and helpful for me in establishing the safety within myself to get curious and begin to look around and wonder what the next step is for me on this journey. Because I think kind of an unspoken desire all along was to reclaim my spirituality in a way that felt authentic and real and vulnerable and based in love the way that I have always related to it and believed it to be. And for so long, I was too angry to get near it at all and even in the first season of the podcast and in subsequent interviews that I did on other people's podcasts i remember you know having a conversation on someone's podcast uh, a year ago and telling a piece of my story and the host kind of reflected back to me well it sounds like you're still pissed and i was like you know what i am still pissed i'm still really pissed about the harm that i endured in that toxic religious environment that I grew up in and I am pissed about all of the people who are still being impacted on a regular basis and all of the women who I am helping you know heal and reclaim their own power and autonomy and repair and redeem so many things that were taken by an institution and a couple of months later though, like right in the same breath when I'm like, yes, I'm still pissed. And also I'm so tired of being angry. And so that kind of started softening things inside of me. I just had this moment where I, and this clarity that then I'm ready for the next steps of my own journey. Like so far, my journey has been long and winding and the first and biggest part was getting away from it and kind of casting all of that off and making as much space between me and that type of thinking and harmful doctrine as I possibly could. And then finding these ways to engage with the divinity and the God inside of myself through alternative methods that felt safe and that I felt like I could access. And now I am in a very different place. And so as you will have noticed, the title, which I literally did not know what I was going to call this conversation until three seconds ago, is Being Spiritually Out. And the second part of my conversation with Victoria is me getting really, really raw and unfiltered about my relationship with God and where it stands today and where I'm at and it's so even as I say this I'm not as nervous as I was because I know that this is a piece of me this is my own reclamation I model and guide and mentor reclamation of all of our facets I support my clients and my community in reconciling every piece of themselves so that they can stop dissociating and they can stop the feeling that they're living a double life and being anything other than their full authentic self. And this is a piece of myself that has been waiting for a long time to be reconciled. And I didn't realize it when I met Victoria Washington, that she would be so crucial to this next part of my journey. I had no clue. And I do feel now on the other side of the conversation that the kind of urge to vomit and pass out that I felt when we got on the mic was that my body knew that I was going to have this conversation, my brain just didn't know it quite yet. (laughs) So when we eventually wandered there, when, whenever the recording ended, when we cut it off, I looked at her and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, I'm so, I, I almost apologized. I was like, I didn't realize that that is what we were going to talk about. I wasn't planning on talking about that. And she looked at me and she's like, this is like, this is your coming out. Like you you needed me here to come out. (laughs) I was like, I didn't realize that I did, but that's true. And one of the reasons I don't, one thing we practice in somatic experiencing is that we don't always assign meaning to everything because that's not always supportive or helpful. But I do believe that one of the reasons why my soul felt that I needed the support of Victoria to tell this story and get this part of me out into the world is because she has embodied a lot of safety around this topic, and she has given me a way to access this piece of my life that doesn't feel threatening or scary. Like She has been really instrumental in just redeeming the lens through which I look at spirituality and relationship with God, source, and even Christ. We don't get into it a ton in here. And my, like ever since this conversation, things have been turning and I've been having more conversations with, uh, the people in my life and Mike and, you know, I am still reconciling so much of this. And so this is, you are hearing this from the middle, like this is messy and it might be the realest, most vulnerable thing I have ever put into the world. And so my desire is that in listening to this, not only that you just know me better because one of my deepest desires is to be truly known. And when we're not expressing the deepest parts of ourselves, then how can we ever be known? So this is for me probably more than it is for you. And I really hope that you just take this as an invitation to explore whatever you're curious about and whatever your heart desires at your own pace, and to not push into things or reopen things or renegotiate things until you're ready. Because this has been a long time coming, and I was not ready for this a minute before I had this conversation. And I wasn't ready to share this with anyone one minute before right now. And so, what I don't want you to take away is that this journey of deconstruction and spiritual reconciliation, I don't want you to feel like it is supposed to look any one way or that because this has been my experience that you also need to seek an experience like this or try to recreate this experience the The paths we are taken down and the way in which and the people who are used to bring us to certain moments in time, like that is all so divinely timed and so completely unique to each one of us. So this isn't a how-to episode at all. (laughs) And I hope that you will experience this with, as always, with an open heart and an open mind and curiosity and I hope that you will reserve judgment of yourself if you feel uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. This is the longest intro I've ever recorded for anything. And I, because I just want you to know my heart. I want you to know where I'm coming from. I want you to know that to me, this is a really big deal. This isn't a casual, (laughs) this isn't like a willy nilly share I didn't just hop off of here and, like, go about my day. Like, this cracked me open and began a rumbling inside of me that is still reverberating through my bones and through my body and through my spirit, and I don't know what's going to happen after this. This is very, very... even think of the words like this is not what I have done in the past this is not the type of content that I typically produce and yet it is one of the truest most intimate parts of myself and so it needed to see the light and it deserves to see the light and any parts of you that you may feel You are hiding. Uh, I just want you to know that I believe that they also deserve a chance to see the light and feel the warmth and the healing and the nourishment that is there. So I highly encourage you to hang in to the very end if you have made it beyond this intro. If you're still with me. You're going to want to listen to the whole thing, even if that requires a couple of uh, of breaks. Definitely pause and get up and stretch and move and go to the bathroom and go on a walk. And if you can take it on a walk, even better. Uh, but it's there's medicine in here for someone. And there was certainly medicine in here for me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Words cannot express the gratitude, the deep gratitude and love that I have for Victoria, for her generosity and for just the gift of her being who she is in the world. And hands over my heart, my gratitude also to each and every one of you who made the brave decision to listen to this conversation today and to allow it to touch you and move you and create curiosity and possibility inside of you. Welcome back to Nothing Confidential, Miss Victoria Washington.
1: It is amazing to have you here, sister. Thank you. I'm so genuinely excited. Like I just was telling you to be in this conversation today. Mm.
0: This is a conversation I have been dreaming of having since the first conversation we had where you basically therapized me on the air uh, last time.
1: <laughs> that I'll started to get that interview
0: that, that started interview. a whole thing.
1: Oh gosh. We all, <laughs> that was a vortex. I don't that, know what was happening.
0: That was a vortex. And so many things have happened. Like it opened just energetically. It opened so many things up and it's been like, I can feel my heart pounding right now because of how mm-hmm. excited I am to be in this space with you, but also to, just explore and be able to celebrate and witness this expansion and this evolution that you've been on. Like, I love the way that you do everything basically. Um, just watching, (laughs) I'm like girl crushing really hard and it's not the first time. So I'm trying to get it together y'all because I love you. (laughs) I'm like all over the place, all over the place because there is like the way that you embody your work in your actual body, like in your voice, in your throat, in the words that you choose. And I know that all of that is very intentional. We may have time to get to that. We may not, but there Mm -hmm. is also this seduction and this just dramatic thematic quality in how you share messages and this excitement that you build in your energy, in your community, And being in it and witnessing it is unlike anything I've ever experienced, especially from in the online world. Like it, Mm -hmm. you are a visceral experience, even though there's like screens between us. And I want to speak to that. I think first, just because the last time you were on the show, you were known as Tori Washington. And earlier this year, not long ago, you re-announced yourself to the world and did a total rebrand in the most epic fucking way imaginable. There was a documentary. It was beautiful. Like it was a work of art. And you Mm. reclaimed your full name, which is Victoria. And so if it feels good for you, would you reintroduce yourself to the community as the woman you are right now?
1: Wow. Well, first I my heart is buzzing receiving your reflection and um, your words. So thank you for seeing me so beautifully and being in this space. I am Victoria Washington. And as I sit here today, what feels most alive in my body is my commitment to creating a new paradigm of hope for our collective humanity. And I specifically love and am completely lit up by seeing entrepreneurs and pioneers thrive and create global impact and wealth. So I see myself as a catalyst and expander evidence for the woman who is relentlessly holding a vision so much bigger than herself and is not run by the need to be ready, but is moved by her commitment to God's mission. And that is at the intersection of everything that I teach, everything that I do, everything that I speak about And at the same time, I'm a woman from the Midwest who just never stopped believing in herself and never stopped believing in other people. And that also will always be alive within me.
0: I do remember from our last conversation, one of the things we were laughing about is how your your not yet fulfilled calling is like reading erotica because the embodiment, (laughs) the embodiment of your voice, like every time you talk, I'm like. Yes.
1: wait till (laughs) you see the next evolution of our branding. I'm like dry heaving with, with my garbs. I mean,
0: I think I saw a little glimpse of a bodysuit and some things I'm very excited about. (laughs) Please. I hope there's boobies involved because I always get real excited about the freedom of boobs. Well, that brings me to, I've decided already that the order of what I had planned is out the window. We're going to go in divine order because Mm -hmm. something that. You said reminded me of a question I've been trying to figure out how to form since, I mean, for a couple of weeks now, I guess. And that's this concept of being held by a vision. Mm -hmm. And I think so many people who will be listening to this are probably entrepreneurs, are kind of in this space. Uh, and I know that they're tuning in again and they'll be really excited to see you here because of the conversation we had around the wealth. And there's so mm-hmm. many pieces of that, that I kind of want to flesh out more since our last chat, but also this concept you've been talking about, that's really been resonating with me is instead of having a vision, because I think so often there's a question of like, well, what is my vision? How do I have a vision? And it, made sense in my body. When you said something about being held by a vision, Mm -hmm. could you like speak into that?
1: Like what that through? that came through really big after we crossed a million dollars cash back in October, 2021. And there is this buildup towards that moment of Everything felt like a combination of many small decisions that I'd made compounded on top of the other. And I always knew that by the time we got to the at that point, the big milestone for me was a million. I wanted to be the first person in my family to cross a million. I was first woman, first entrepreneur. Like there's so many firsts that were being written into, into the sands of time. And when I got to that point, I knew that I would never be able to recall how but I wanted to feel why, no matter what. And when we crossed a million, I celebrated by teaching a three-part masterclass called Million Dollar Moves. And to this day, that outside of Holy Yes, which we did a little bit later, Million Dollar Moves, I looked at the, the room and I said, this was for you guys, but also there was something in me, like there was some magic that happened in that transmission. And one of the teachings that came through is this whole time I thought that I was holding this vision and I was holding this mission but the mission was actually holding me. And there's an exhale that happens when you recognize that and to me it's every entrepreneur's dream to drop into that currency of peace mm-hmm. of I'm not holding this big thing. I couldn't possibly hold it. And every time I tried to hold it I drop it. Every time I tried to hold it, I'd stumble. Every time I tried to hold it, I would grip it. I would try to contort it or think I needed to contort it. And then the moment that I switched and let it hold me is the moment I allowed momentum to enter the room. And the feeling is much like knowing how to walk and trust yourself, even when you're out of alignment, because the vision's holding you and it can hold you in alignment. It can hold you out of alignment. And the whole thing is just shaping you and everything is happening for the mission to be articulated and told in the perfect way. And every single setback is just part of the storyline. It's part of rewriting history and making history and turning your mission into a masterpiece. And so as that came through, The whole room lit up because they were feeling for the first time, the sense of relief of it isn't just me. So there's the power and the energetic frequency of one. And that feels really rewarding because who doesn't want to go first? Who doesn't want to raise their hand and say, I'll do it. Especially if you're a pioneer, you're an entrepreneur, you're a high-performing woman, or you're somebody who generally leads in life you, the feeling and the frequency of being the one is so beautiful. What I felt when we crossed a million and the lesson that I learned in those 10 months is that God multiplies in two. So God will start with one, but God multiplies and changes the world with two and three and four and five and six. And two is always in its essence, better than one, because that's where intimacy, relationship, inner exchange begins to happen. So there's so much that I can do on my own by myself, going first and continuously, you know, setting new standards and setting the mark. But there's so much God can do with two. There's so much love and beauty that can exist when two and three and four and five. So as you allow the vision to hold you, you also allow more people to join you. You allow more people to accompany you in it. You allow a village to form within you. And I was so proud of our celebration and that milestone because I always thought that by the time you are you know, rich and successful and making millions, you're gonna be by yourself and lonely. I didn't have it, a, an example of those two things existing at once, a, a beautiful community and riches and this and this. And so when I looked around the room that night, I felt in my heart that it was never me holding the vision. The vision was always holding me and I trusted it and allowed it to envelope me and move me into rooms that I didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. And so for anybody listening, feel that shift in your body. It's not an intellectual switch. It's a body-based experience of what is your relationship with being held what is your relationship with being exposed in the holding, and how can you lean in—not lean back, but lean in—to the embrace that is readily available to you as you embark on a really big mission?
0: There's mic drop number one. <laughs> <laughs> We're only like a couple minutes in. And that's already oh my goodness. And okay, so a couple, a couple of things. The first thing is I also deeply felt that exhale. I think it's why that concept stood out and stuck with me because I think the first time you shared that, it was like an IG live. Like, I don't think it was, I don't know that it was in a masterclass. Like I remember going on a walk and you, it popped up. It was like Tori's live. And anytime you're live, if I'm available, I'm going to watch because every time you open your mouth. There's something like it. I mean, it's true. I think I told you jokingly before any of the things that have since unfolded that like I attend the Church of Victoria, Washington, Mm -hmm. because every time like there is definitely an access point or a gateway that I have accessed through the safety that you've created around like an embodied experience with the divine, with God, with source. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a much longer story and journey, but that is definitely something that's been percolating in the background. So I felt that sense of relief and it did, it did feel like it removed the fear of failure as I had previously been experiencing it, which is all very much tied up in ego, right? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. if I can't do this, if I can't deliver, if I don't achieve this, Amazing amount of impact. Like, if anyone had asked me a couple of years ago what my biggest fear was, it would be not living up to my potential. Like, it would be this thought that I was put here with this sense deep in my belly that I'm supposed to do something transformative and huge, like a legacy something. And there was this fear that I was going to somehow like let all of that down, like if I couldn't show up for it or if I couldn't hold it. And Mm -hmm. so that switch even in language, the idea that I'm not holding this huge legacy, like I'm being held by the legacy and I'm, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm in it and it's in me and it's, it's not something that my arms are going to give way underneath. It's something that's going to continue holding me up like higher and higher Mm -hmm. as I come into alignment with that. And so that was, I feel like that was really huge. And it also, I feel like if I go down this road, it's going to be really long. So I'm going to do this short part first. You said something about how exciting it feels to be the first one, to like be the only one. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I would love to like unravel this with you because I very much, I want to be original. I think a lot of people do. Like, I think when you're in a space where there's lots of voices and lots going on and a lot of commonalities and things like you can always find a bunch of people who are doing something similar to what you're doing. And while I completely believe that no one can do your work the way that you do your work, like your lived experience is what you uniquely bring. But I do feel like I see a lot of people kind of rise to the top regurgitating someone else's like brilliance. And I have never wanted that for myself. And I think there's times when I don't show up for certain things because I'm like, I like, do I have anything new to add or anything unique to add? Like, I don't want to make it on someone else's idea. Like, I just want my own unique idea that's like different than everybody else's. And sometimes I'll have this moment where I feel like I've had one. I'll get like a download. And I'm like, okay, like this feels so unique to me. This feels like I'm the first person on earth who's ever had this thought. And that's really exciting. And then you get out there and you tap into this channel and like Mm -hmm. three other people have had the idea or are having it. And you're like, well, did I receive something unique or did I not? And do I run with it or do I not? And I don't know that there's necessarily a question in there, but like what comes up for me is there is such a thing as a resonant field, like in somatic experiencing. And so like, is that moment when you find a channel where a few others are feeling that same calling that you thought was just for you, like, is that resonant field or are you being like,
1: I don't know. There's so much to say about this, but this is incredibly important. This is really juicy. So Let's first talk about the energetics of that, and then bring this back to earth because we just went out, and there's so much (laughs) I want it to land. But this is so, but this is important Mm -hmm. because everybody wants that feeling of originality. I think that that's just across the human race. That's something that a lot of people feel activated by. When I first founded Wealth Embodiment Flow, I didn't really hear of anyone talking about the intersection of wealth and the nervous system. Now, everybody you ask about nervous system, it's in everybody's eyes is this whole thing. So what I've worked to remember and continuously drop into is that we are all fractals of the whole. So there's going to be ideas dripping out at all times at the speed of light. And many people would get them at the same time or in union. And, but also you would be surprised how many people will not follow all the way through with it. So if we get it and see that somebody else has done it, then we never really understand our original assignment in that we each are assigned something within the bigger idea. So my ego wants to say, I'm the only one that should teach wealth embodiment. Now, if anybody comes out with wealth embodiment flow, that's when you'll see my Scorpio, um, spice come out, but I'm not the only teacher who knows about wealth expansion and who is here to teach it, you know, in their unique way. However, I have an original assignment within that and if I focus on that, I can hear the deeper call underneath the tide of my ego that wants to just deeply be acknowledged for something. That's really what the connection mm. is is I want to be acknowledged and recognized in the world for my life and the work that I do. So this all goes back to God placing mirrors in your life. And sometimes God's going to place a mirror that has you activated and full of beauty. And then oftentimes one of my favorite pastors, TJ Jake says, God's going to provoke you and poke you and have it be like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this potential, look at this, that you haven't tapped into. Look at this person who has gone first when you thought you were first. And it's all about the actions that you're going to take. Yes, but it's more about the energetic value that you hold for yourself. And I believe that's why I move the way that I move is I understand my value. I understand the value that I contribute. I understand what God is using me for in this particular chapter of my life and in this realm. So each of us has an original assignment. Not necessarily originality, because at the end, it's all going to be mush and the same. but we've each been placed here with an assignment within the whole story and the whole line of energy. And that feels, for me, a lot more steady, steady ground to walk on. And oftentimes I'll look at, oh, that person's doing, you know something that I thought I was originally going to do. It's often evidence. People will bring the the universe closer to you. My mentor, Allison Bird says that. And oftentimes when I'm speaking to her, the room gets smaller. And what it feels like is my proximity to where I want to go gets smaller. But if I'm threatened by somebody getting there before me, because I've determined my success means I get there first, not I go first, but I get there first, which is different. Now I'm in a chase. I'm not in a arrival of the original assignment that I've been chosen for. So I think it's important if you're dropping into this, is am I committed to going first or getting there first? Different energies. And underneath this, what do I desire to be acknowledged for? Mm. What do I desire to be known for and recognized for? And how can I envelope myself in the value now? so that I don't outsource it to somebody else or give the give the power away. And then everybody becomes a mirror, evidence, expansion. There is no competition. It's like the Jaguar, they walk through the forest with no predators, they don't, they don't move in fear, they don't have enemies. And that is not something that I think is meant to be sustained by the human. However, I think it's there for us to tap into. And it's there for us to play with. And it's an energy and archetype that we can explore, especially when um, we're finding that those thoughts are getting us stuck and we're just going back and forth with ourselves versus moving into the world with our original assignment.
0: Mm. Okay. Follow-up question. And you're the person I can ask this to being in your unique assignment versus being original. What does it feel like in your body for you when you are tapped into the energy of your unique assignment?
1: It feels like no one no one else can bring people together the way that I do. It's not about what we're even doing in the room, but it's the collective that comes I don't like, there's not another person that will bring it together the way that I do. It's, and it's, and we're all going to do similar things, but we're going to bring different people in the room. And isn't that the whole point? I can't bring everybody in the world in the room. So I hope somebody else is talking about wealth right now. <laughs> this isn't is the only podcast <laughs> that's ever going to be aired. So I hope there's like a bunch of other people right now who are having this kind of conversation, mm. you see? So it's le- it, in those, those moments, it's like, aha, No one's going to wrangle it in like I will. No one's going to weave it the way that I will, but I don't need to be the only web of life creating. I get to connect with other webs of life. And that's the whole entire point is that just as many humans as possible access what they're meant to access and come in contact with what they're meant to come in contact with. So my original assignment feels like, God, how can I pave the path for your mission? Versus God, I need this, 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 and this. Where can I get this, this, and this? And I have this unique thing and da, 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 da. So it's more of a, an opening for something bigger than a, uh, this feeling like, being original feels like a lot of pressure, honestly. Yeah. My original assignment feels like responsibility, which expands me to be more and walk into more rooms and be in contact with more people. Mm. Yeah, I resonate with that. A lot. and i I think we hit a vein
0: that I want to go back to, and about this people who are achieving, have achieved are where you want to go because this I feel like this is a sticky spot for people
1: mm-hmm.
0: where, as much as I have said for, Years I have used used the words and the phrases. I'm like, oh, jealousy is awareness of desire. Like jealousy is a very productive emotion, and I believe that. And every now and then I'll get sucked into like low vibe jealousy. That's like I just I kind of want to throw a pity party. Like I want to roll around in it for a little bit, like a dog and shit. Like that would just make me feel good right now. And it's really interesting. <laughs> Because this is dropping in right now. Like I'm remembering when we talked last year, I was in a whole nervous system activation because I had just signed my first $15,000 client. And on mm-hmm. that call, I couldn't even say the number. You asked me what it was. And I was like, I do not, I'm mm-hmm. not going to, I can't, I'm like, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, you're right. And Joe had like put it on her Instagram without my permission. And I was like, what the hell? Like people are going to know how much money I make. Like you can't do that. And I was in a whole thing about it. But I, something about that conversation, I also remember saying that the reason it was so hard, or one of the reasons I had such a hard time holding that and being in that is because I didn't know anyone else in my life personally who Mm. had done that. And it felt Mm. strange and it felt dangerous and it felt weird, even though I want that, I've been saying I want it forever, but having that moment I felt like I couldn't hold it. And uh, because I hadn't been shown how to almost, it was like, there's no Mm -hmm. one to show me how to hold this fast forward to this, like very real pity party that I had like a week ago. And the reason I was having a pity party is because like not one or two or three, I now know multiple women intimately who have crossed over a million dollars. And while that like in a moment of, you know, self-pity and ego and whatnot, and feeling like how come what I'm doing isn't working, which is not the case. But I realize and I'm realizing now, as I'm saying it, like within a year, there was no one to model for me how to do this. And now there's like five or six people who can intimately model for me how to do this. And so mm-hmm. actually I'm getting closer. <laughs> it's just this, like, It's interesting that I got so distracted by this sense of, well, if I, if what I was doing was working, I would be there now too. And so I got stuck in this kind of story of like, I must be doing something wrong since Mm -hmm. I haven't crossed over yet. So that is interesting.
1: That is interesting. And I, you know, I have to be honest with you, because even after we crossed a million, I mean there's this peak of rush and excitement and then it's like what about two about three now it's like five million feels like not what a million felt like October (laughs) yeah so Bob Proctor one of my mentors always said that the most creative souls were unsatisfied and when you judge that dissatisfaction as being ungrateful or wrong or unworthy, then it turns into a non-creative energy. But when you view that dissatisfaction as something is turning down on the inside of me, and even when I get there, I'm going to want more and something else. So there's a continuous desire that's, that's expanding, 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 expanding. couple things that I've noticed in myself is when I, cause I've had those same thoughts and I had those same thoughts before. When I feel jealous of her, we'll just use her or them as an example. I feel to myself, okay, if I'm jealous of her and I don't want anybody to be jealous of me, of course, I'm not going to have the thing I'm jealous of her for, cause then everybody's gonna be jealous of me. So I'm actually safe right here, being in my pity party, being jealous of her. And then nobody can be jealous of me. They'll just relate to me. And then I'm like, like all the things. Mm. So it's a self-protection in a way. And it's yours to alchemize because if you can shift the way that you view her success into one of, and this is something that I consistently drop into when she succeeds, it means there's more for me. When she wins, it means I won too. And so I would practice in my body feeling, not excited for that person, but I would practice feeling deeply grateful and as if it happened to me. Mm. And there's a a woman who comes to mind. I talked about this in House of Weed, Tabitha Brown. When she celebrates, it's as if I won. It's like when Tab wins, Victoria wins. I, I just get so overjoyed. And I practice dropping into that to familiarize my nervous system with that bigness, because whatever way we want to look at it, it feels intimidating. It feels out of reach for a reason. So that jealousy is just provoking the part of you that isn't in alignment with it yet. You just aren't. We can want it all we want. We can desire it all we want, but that does not qualify us to be a match for it. And that's one of the more complicated pills to swallow because right now it's like, yeah, I want to do 500K this month. I don't know, it could happen. But, and is it really a match for me right now? So the question you ask yourself is, if it happened right now, if everything 10X, if you did hit a million right now, what would die? What would contract and what would expand? And in those answers, you'll see exactly why it's not happening, exactly why it's delayed, (laughs) exactly where it's going. And then that jealousy turns into juiciness and just her being a reflection of what you will be when you are a match for it. And uh, it's interesting that you're bringing this up now because we are creating a new economy where we're going to see more successful women in the space. And for a long time, we blamed men for this not being possible. But if we're really honest with ourselves as women, it's our resentment too, that has suppressed the feminine power from fully expanding in wealth. Because the moment she rises, what's the first thing we feel? Fuck her. Yeah. Damn it. She got there first.
0: Because like we want wow. women to rise as long as it's us and as long as they don't rise higher than us. <laughs> it's like we want to rise, but like I'm talking about me rising, and then like if y'all want to rise with me, that'll find right. like right. And then it'll seem like it's all of us. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's not. You. And so
1: this is such a real conversation. Like, do we really want that? Do we really yeah. want all women to rise? Because mm-hmm. if that was authentic, then these are interesting feelings that we're having. And mm-hmm. so it's all, it's nothing to uh, go to war at ourselves with. It's just simply something to be curious and aware of. And where can we play in the juiciness of celebrating with them as a fractal of their whole celebration? We are like, it's a hologram. It's all like when you really drop into it, that's the truth, but our human, and I think that's so important to make that distinction. Of my human is jealous right now. My soul is at peace seeing her. My soul and my my assignment and my mission is expanded by watching this. But my human right now, she don't she don't she don't sense that right now. <laughs> she she needs a minute, and and that automatically tempers it and makes it less grippy and it's like easier to move through. Well, I really yeah, I really appreciate that frame. Cause
0: it's not, it does feel very separate. Like I am very aware that I'm having a dual experience because there is a piece of me that does not have one bit of a problem. Like I am so fucking psyched. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like go mm-hmm. queen. That is the best. Like that is all entirely authentic. And then I go to bed and I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing wrong though? Like what is going on? I also have recently been so I'm in the house of we too. And so I've been digging through all of the, all of the things I'm like in all of the things. And I just actually finished, um, your manifestation through embodiment today.
1: That's my favorite workshop. It's
0: such a, oh my God, it's such a good one, but you're in it. You're talking about, although I've been a lot of them lately. So if I get anything out of order, forgive me, but <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like, like a grandma that's like, what's the like, uh, I was <laughs> like, I've been through like six of them recently. So if it's not from this one, it's from another one that's equally good. Um, but you're talking about basically your power and alignment matrix where Mm -hmm. that landed for me in an interesting way, because there have been times when I have felt so aligned. I'm like, this is my message. Like I feel it in my body. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm so lit up by this. And then Mm -hmm. there's fucking crickets and when there's crickets, like, cause I have this like whimsical belief that when you're totally lined up and everything is right, like it'll just attract to stuff to you. Like that's going to happen. Like that's what I have been thinking. So it obviously is very disappointing when I feel like I'm at 100 with alignment and nobody is feeling me where I'm at, but it feels like the most authentic place for me to be. Mm-hmm. And so having that like power and alignment dynamic feels really important. Mm-hmm. And I brought that up for a reason because something you said reminded me of it. And so I brought it into the space and now I don't know where I was taking it, to be honest.
1: Well, with the oh my water is dropped. With the power with power and alignment, the the teaching there is that when your alignment can hold the power and I use the weight as an example then you become this unstoppable momentum and momentum is what creates magnetism not alignment so we think that alignment means okay i'm aligned i checked off all the things now i'm magnetic but it's momentum which draws in it's that art of evoking of creation of of things moving and alignment actually is quite steady it's a little bit empty almost so If you're looking at it through the lens of through that, then everything is determined by you being in that one state and that doesn't feel expansive. And then everybody has to meet you in that one state. But when you can be in your power and that power is held by the alignment. So imagine like the vision is the alignment. The mission is the alignment. The spine is the alignment. And then the power can swirl and move and breathe alongside that and within it that creates a level of like a charge that is then communicated outward to people. And we all work within these energetic pockets of how many people can we be in relationship with at once until our alignment goes tired, burned out too much, too many DMs, too many people. And so whenever a client is talking to me about crickets or something's not happening in terms of momentum in their audience I ask her well how not how in alignment are you right now or how excited are you because those are all temporary things but how alive are you where's your vitality because that is what creates magnetism and that's what determines how many people you can hold and how much money Hmm. (laughs) I love that a lot I also feel like
0: I just um I feel Well, the meme would be, I feel attacked. I don't feel attacked. I feel very (laughs) called in right now. (laughs) The meme version is, I feel attacked, but I know that that was directly. That was like, this is for you. Boop. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Because it's hard to say what's alignment. I think alignment is a daily practice. It's not necessarily a state. Mm -hmm. Whereas vitality is a state. It's something you can dwell in. Alignment is something you're continuously going to practice. Like by eight a.m., I feel in alignment. I just worked out. But then after a coaching call, it could kind of throw things off a little bit. So I have to, as a leader, trust myself, whether I'm in or out of alignment, because that's going to continuously shift and move. And if I have to always be in alignment for something good to happen, that's a lot of pressure. But if I can have a, if I can be in the continuous practice of finding that equilibrium between alignment and power, holding and being in relationship with one another, then we, I can move with that. And that feels much more flexible and fluid. Yeah. Because alignment,
0: I feel like alignment is something that we also project a lot onto. Like we project alignment, like what is aligned for us isn't aligned for other people and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I definitely feel in the coaching space and I've been guilty of saying it where like someone is doing something that does not resonate with you or feels icky. And you're like, oh, that person is out of alignment. And I think that's interesting because obviously like if alignment is a moving target and you are like, you have to be tracking your own alignment all the time. It's like very presumptuous and egoic to say that someone else is out of alignment, even if they're doing something that you wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting because there is a difference I mean, tell me if I'm understanding this correctly, I feel like there's a difference between being out of alignment and being out of integrity, like somebody, right. Like somebody can do something. And that's probably what we're feeling when we're like, Ooh, that person's out of alignment. It's more like that person's out of integrity or what they're doing doesn't resonate with my integrity. Mm -hmm. And that is different than alignment.
1: Yeah. And I think that as, you know, especially in the coaching space, we have this idea of perfection and how. know, we're always in this learning. There's such an unquenchable thirst for learning in our space. God bless us. We are just like the seekers of the universe in terms of like coaching and bringing new ideas to life. Like we're always just seeking and looking and bringing and creating and pioneering. But at the end of the day, I mean, what feels more approachable and more realistic is to explore harmony and what feels in harmony with me on a moment to moment basis Because sometimes people are meant to show you how you don't want to do something. Sometimes you're meant to dip out of alignment to experience how that feels. Like the first six figures we made wasn't necessarily me in alignment, made a great amount of money, $109,000. I knew exactly how I never wanted to make $109,000 again. (laughs) And then we did 333 and- there are even things from this last million where I'm like, there's a lot that I, I I stood in harmony with, but there is some stuff where I did create out of alignment and I learned so much about who I am and who I don't want to be and where I do want to go and where I don't want to go. So I think we villainize being out of alignment or someone else being out of alignment. And there's actually so much there to look at and to teach us. So to me, it's it's less about this or that. And it's more about, the whole human experience is going to have a little bit of all of that sometimes. I'm trying to think of where we want to go next because I want to be mindful
0: of time. And there's like one that I haven't ripped open yet, so I think I'm going to take okay, that. Go. And then if anything is left, we'll we'll get into that. Okay, first. cool. I'm all fine right. on time. Okay. <laughs> so anybody listening who's still listening may have made a mental note that we've said God on this podcast more than has ever been said on this podcast especially Mm -hmm. since a lot of my story in, in and that was told in pieces through season one we're now in season three but in season one a lot of my my entrance into the space was fueled by this kind of righteous indignation and anger and some spiritual trauma and there was a lot of the tools and the healing that I found were in getting away from a very toxic religious environment and background. And so there definitely was charge in a lot of the, the spiritual language. Like there was, I would say two years ago, I wasn't even comfortable with the the concept or verbalizing like prayer. I might call Mm -hmm. it meditation. I might call it something else. I was praying, but I couldn't call it that. Like it just felt like it belonged to something that I didn't want to belong to anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's been very interesting because you're someone who, I mean, since last year, like I've been following and even, even when we talked last year, I don't remember. And it could have just have been, cause I was blocking it out, but I don't remember you like speaking about God, maybe as prevalently as you have been in the last little bit. And Mm -hmm. again, that could very much be my own perception, but then something very interesting happened where (laughs) I came into this year with my one word, like mantra was like depth. And the reason why I picked that is because I've been having this feeling for, I mean, the better part of probably two years, I would have these pockets of vitality and creativity where things felt in flow. And it's like, you know, when you're in that typically it's like ovulation week, and you're magnetic, and everything comes out of your mouth feels like a divine download, and your hair is great. And like, there is nothing getting you down <laughs> during this time. So, I get these little pockets of that, and you feel like you're in it. You feel like everything is lined up, and you're where you're supposed to be, and you're being who you're supposed to be. And it, I mean, that's like nirvana, like that is the feeling. And then I would go through these really long droughts where I just felt like I couldn't tap in to the well where it was like, I was reaching in and I was just coming up dry, like over and over and over. And so I was in this space of like, okay, like where is the inspiration? Where is the juice? Where is the vitality? Like where, why does it feel so fleeting? Why can't I tap into a consistent like source of it? And you kept coming up because you would come on and you'd be launching or sharing something different. It felt like like every week and in some spaces, people will be like, focus on one thing. Like we've all been to the coach who's like, just focus on one thing. The problem is you have too many offerings, la la la. And I was like, this girl, this bitch is selling shit out of her DMs like every day. Like, but, but it's never, it never feels crusty. It never feels overreaching. Mm-hmm. It never feels, I'm like, she is literally like, here's another gift for you. And people were like, yes, give it to me. I'm like, what is that? Like, what is that energy? And I literally had that thought, like, I want what she has. Like, what is the? And it wasn't even about like any of the external stuff. It's the literal energy. Mm -hmm. I remember you saying about how you give like a woman who has like a table that never runs out. Like you just, you've got it. Like you're just tapped into that. And so I remember, you know, I I remember writing that down. I was like, I got to find out like what this, what this is about, like, what is going on? I want to know her secret. And so then I signed up for Holy Yes, because everything you do, like, I'm going to be there. If I can be there, I'm going to be there. I want to be in your presence. I just, so I went to Holy Yes. And I mean, like, I love the spiritual, like, language that you use in flux with all of the other things that you use. Like, it's very poetic. And up until that point had not been triggering to me at all. I was like, oh, no, she's just like, Holy Yes. Like, that's, that's great. Did not know what was about to befall me. And so for anyone who was in that room, and you've talked about it openly since then, so I assume this is fine. I showed up in there and there you were, like you always are. And I was like, yes, this is Tori. This is great. And then three seconds later, it's like, oh, like I'm in church right now. Like there is worship (laughs) music going on and there is like, she is preaching, like preaching. Now when Tori preaches, that's very different than other people. So that still Mm -hmm. stands. But I just had this moment where I was like, I mean, I I had to make a decision. I'm like sitting there and I'm like, am I going to make it the three hours or am I going to just like pop out right quick? Because this is not what
1: I thought I was coming into. Wow, this is so fun (laughs) to hear. Right,
0: right. So I'm sitting here and I'm like trying to be chill and I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally fine. And also I haven't been like near a church or anything that could be described as churchy or anything for 10 years at least. And so I'm sitting in this room and I remember being like, like I think I'm gonna leave and then this like voice came through and was like are you unsafe or are you uncomfortable and I was like Mm. ew I was like well really I feel uncomfortable I was like I don't feel unsafe because your energy and your frequency and this kind of journey that I've took with you over the last year is like I'm like no I like trust this woman I trust that she's in her truth I trust that she's like channeling her own thing. And like so much of it resonates with me. And so it was this moment of, I had this door of access into something that has been too charged for so long. Mm. And it was, it was definitely like, it's still in process. It's still a very in messy process, but we did sure we like embodied. I ended up like, I had a, a, a vision saw vision, saw like mother God with gray platinum hair down to their feet, like strewn with seed pearls. And this like got some, like some stuff happened in there that I do not need to create meaning around. Like I know what it was for and that's all that matters. But this is something that I wouldn't have touched with, you know, a year ago that I wouldn't have been able to. And so this all kind of coincided with this, constant utterance of this prayer of like, how do I tap in to the well? And I feel like I was brought into that room. And you going kind of back to what we touched on right at the beginning, there is this concept that you've spoken on of what is the word that you use because I'm not going to be able to think of the it. Fire of cali- oh of calibrating. No, of calibrating yeah, to something bigger than you and bigger than a person. Mm-hmm. Because in the coaching industry and in my experiences too, that's even kind of utilized in some of the sales language, which is like, you're paying all of this money to like get a transference from this person who knows these things that you want to know. Like you're paying to be in the room with this person you're paying to like, get in this person's energy. Mm -hmm. And it made so much more sense to me when you're like, no, like I calibrate to something bigger than another person. I didn't totally know you're talking about God until later, but then when you, when that came out, I was like, Oh, I mean, that does make sense. And also I'm uncomfortable. So I want to talk about this because I'm at a place now where I can. And Mm -hmm. I am so like, I've been renegotiating the terms of my connection to source for a long time now and i think this is the most movement i've had in a while and yeah. i just i want to know a i would love for you to speak anything that's dropping in for you around this but b you said something about like your reconnection to god you had a re- a recent recent as in within the last couple of years mm-hmm. reconnection to god and how so much of what has been transformed in you and the way you show up and the way that you're doing things has been because of that connection. And I would love to hear about that. Like, I would love to hear the juicy details of
1: that if you are open to sharing them. Well, a couple of years ago, I remember first very, very nervously sharing a post about how I'm no longer going to to use the word universe as a replacement to the word God. And that was just from an authentic experience of feeling a connection with the creator, God, who created the universe. So it just no longer felt good to use universe as a replacement for this word or to consistently teach with the paranoia that if I use the word God, somebody would be like, I don't know. So I would say universe, God, however you refer to the divine Hmm. and it, it interrupted my thought pattern. Like it didn't allow me to just, to just be and just speak. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to use this word anymore. It feels like bubblegum spirituality to me at the time. I was very rebellious and just said whatever the heck was (laughs) going to come out. But I saw a lot of, yeah, bubblegum like spirituality and what felt like such truth in my bones, non-negotiable is that God created the universe. So it feels, uh, it feels Not true to say universe out of fear that God, the word God's going to intimidate someone. So just by owning that word, so much came through with that. The way that I prayed changed. You pray to the universe, pray to God. It's a different experience. You pray with God, you sit with God. It's a different experience. It's a different experience in your body. It's a different experience in your breath. Different things are going to come through. Now, I believe that God places things in the universe, which we are experiencing right now to support us in our expansion. And I believe that the universe is here to show us what is possible in terms of calibration. I don't believe that it's necessary to calibrate to another human in order to embody something. I think that there's value in being in connection and relationship with humans that are doing what you want to do and being in, being in direct contact with them, but there's just so much to sift through and, and re, redistribute in a much more integrous way. And so I implore anybody listening to this to just really ask yourself, what's true for me right now. And I made the intention when I started to be more public with my relationship with God, that I would, I would trust it. I would trust myself and trust that I'm not here to micromanage anyone's perception. I'm just going to hold the safety that I feel in my body. And I'll trust that God can do anything. Of course, God is going to send me people who, you know, of course you had that experience. And I'm so grateful that I was able to continue knowing that existed in the room. And and you weren't the only one. And I, I got off that call and I was terrified that I made one of the biggest mistakes in my career. And the messages that came after that, um, I can't even describe the feeling. Something that I'll never, ever be able to put into words because teaching that class was the scariest three hours of my life. And I didn't know where to go after. I wanted to go into the bath. I wanted to crawl away. I wanted to cancel the documentary. Everything just felt like a giant mistake but a giant monumental movement, like so much was happening because I could feel all of that existing in the room. And all it did was implore me to to allow myself to be held once again and trust that it's never about me being ready to do something. It's all God needs is my commitment. And I'll, and I trust in that relationship so much. And I trust that it'll take me into rooms that are not comfortable, that are not small, that are not picture perfect. It's going to take me into the rooms where the work needs to be done. And it takes brave and courageous souls to say yes to that and stand in the fire with other humans who are on their own discovery journey. And the way that I became more connected with God is through the energy of Christ. And through Mary Magdalene's story, I found her gospel again. And I realized that as I felt closer to my feminine heart, I felt closer to Christ's energy and her story inspired me and showed me the walk in a different way that, you know, religion never showed me. The church never showed me that I still I go to a very open air, open-minded church now. And I, it's because I love the worship music. I love to, to praise and sing and dance and move. But I, I don't know that God is in every church. <laughs> I know that God's in every heart and that every relationship with God will blossom in its own time. But that relationship with Christ really brought me into a blueprint that I'm walking right now is, that's what I want to expand to. I want to calibrate to the blueprint of Christ. And I want to calibrate to a love and a beauty that is so palpable and unending and doesn't ever give up on humanity. You know, if you look at the stories, they're so real and so rich. But when you look at the way that the church tells the story, you're going to get a different experience. So that's why I think it's so important to find your own pocket of time with God and just listen for the truth because it's in your heart and it's not at all as scary as the projection of the truth that many people have experienced.
0: Thank you for sharing your, your personal journey. I know that that's, it's interesting because that's one of those things that I think at least in early adulthood you learn kind of like politics and like there are these these things that are not safe to talk about super openly because they're mm-hmm. so so polarizing and there's so much trauma and projection attached to them and that's something i think that's been part of what i'm healing is not it's not that i've like figured it all out i definitely one of the things that came through for me during holy yes was Like I, I, I think the friction I felt or the constriction I felt was that I had this idea that I was going to go away from this thing that I grew up in and I was going to slowly kind of untangle it and figure out a way to go back that felt good to me because Mm -hmm. nothing about it felt good to me. And I just had this awareness that was like, I'm not like, I'm not going back. What I experienced is not god it's not you know holiness it's not love it's not any of those things and i don't like it's to the side of me it's in front of me it's definitely not back there like i don't need to go back there for any of the things that i experienced and so i think Mm -hmm. one of the things i'm reclaiming for myself and i haven't haven't settled anywhere it's just this forward this curiosity and this um self-regulation that I can now tap into, like moving forward with curiosity. I'm back to a place where I think I was frozen for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And now I think I have the curiosity to ask questions more and to like seek and kind of dig and get into it because that spiritual connection has always been important to me, which is why there was friction in the first place. Like if it wasn't important Mm -hmm. to me, I would have just lopped it off and like left and it wouldn't have been a thing.
1: That's such a good
0: point. It's something that's called to me in the background. Like I remember having the thought be like, well, maybe one day I'll like get back to this or figure this out. But like, I can't today, like Mm -hmm. I can't right now. And that's been in my body for over a decade. And so I think just allowing myself to feel that reconnection and I don't owe anyone an explanation of that and I don't have to, but I also, I have the right to talk as messily as I would like about God and my experience of God and I still, I still like source. I totally get the distinction between universe because I'm like, if I also believe that God created the universe, then like to say that the universe is doing he's like, well, that's okay, what are we doing? But for so long, because I was so activated, like I definitely used all of those words and I still support yeah. anyone who is in that space. It's so tender. And so it's like, I knew what I was talking about, but I just needed that little buffer between me and everything else. And I mm-hmm. think just Again, like this series of conversations and I may have lost my whole listenership having this conversation and that's okay with me because I'm at a place where the point of these conversations is not to give anybody a shiny antidote or a suggestion for what they're supposed to do. Somewhere out there, someone is in a similar place and they're going to resonate with just our lived experiences. And that's all I'm I'm interested in giving people access to at this point. This isn't about having an expert on who's going to tell you how to do X, Y, and Z, like mm-hmm. this is just a lived experience and in my experience this reconnection this tapping back like into god as source into my own divinity mm-hmm. has been that it's been it's that well that i've been looking for like it's not you know like it's it's the well that never runs dry like it's where i feel held by my purpose and where, when I show up and I'm like, because I used to, we, it's so funny, the stuff we come up with to avoid it when we're in total avoidance, like when I would be on a call with a client and I started recording the calls because yes, I wanted them to have it, but also because so I would be talking and all of a sudden, like all of these things would fly out of my mouth when I didn't know where they came from or like what, but they I could see how they landed and they would ask me to repeat myself. And I couldn't (laughs) because it just flew out. Like it was literally a channel and I was like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I record these because sometimes like I just channel stuff and I don't know, you know, it's like, yes, I do know where it comes from, but also I wasn't ready to acknowledge where it comes from.
1: Mm. And so
0: I think this has just been a really interesting reawakening process for me and the season like that I'm in. And it's just, you have been such a huge catalyst of that. And it's so interesting to me that
1: I love it's so, it's
0: just, it is so interesting to me because I just couldn't understand why, like there's so many places I could have ended up that had that been sprung on me, I would have been like, yeah, no, this is a hot, hard pass. Like we're not going to do that. But I was just like, I just trust the way that you do shit. Like, I just know you. I feel like I know your heart. And I'm like, this is, this must be fine. Like, this must be okay. That's
1: such a blessing to hear. (laughs) I mean, really what it comes down to, and anybody who may be triggered hearing this is one, I don't think that that's the case. I don't even feel that in this space, Um, but just in case I what tends to happen when I'm when I'm working with a with a woman or even in this type of conversation is there's a moment where the religion stripped her of all her power. Mm-hmm. And so her relationship with quote unquote God or whatever God she was told she needed to believe in or to do whatever she needed to do, she now is in this power struggle with that. And when you do drop into your heart, and this is where it happened for me of coming back into union with God did feel like admitting, acknowledging that I'm not enough without you. My human will never be enough without you. I'll always run dry. I'll always run out of energy because I'm a, it's a physical thing. But my infinite connection to you brings forth a level of power that is beyond the human. And that power struggle being eliminated from your life brings you so much more peace and energy. So when I see myself and my journey, and when I've reconnected with God, it's, I just, I remember the woman who didn't believe and she was just working so hard against something. Everything she did was against something. It was to prove something. It was to make a point. I I remember even when my dad or my family would use the word God. I would just get so angry. I would just get Mm -hmm. almost like resentful and that will eat you alive. Even though I wanted the, the energy and the grace of God to fill the gap, I just didn't know how to surrender into that. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like a surrendering because beyond polarity I am. And in that I am, there is no, I'm powerful. And this is this, and this is this. It's just, I am, I am in God's image. I am. Who you say I am and for a lot of people that's the ego's biggest fear and that is the ultimate um, letting go of control but when you let go of control, it's insane what has happened in the last couple of years for me I let go of quote unquote control but I've sped up and created more momentum than I could have I could ever make sense of and and I truly attribute that to allowing myself to be in relationship with something that is divinely intelligently trying to move through me. Like God is the doer, not me. I'm the being that God is doing through. And there is such peace. And I believe that peace and vitality are our greatest currencies. If you've got that, you're going to, you will be amazed at how far you'll go. But the minute those two things start to dwindle, uh, it just, it's just, it doesn't work. So I think that if you're on this podcast and you're listening to this space, the invitation is to first play with breath and that being your first invisible guide of life, we can't see it, but we trust it. Taking a deep breath in a deep breath out and seeing where instead of horizontally looking out, I love, you know, I love Zach Bush. He says, go vertical beyond this world beyond the the this or the that beyond the the power struggle and into i am and what do you hear in that and i'll be very surprised if you don't come in contact with god
0: well and that's the thing it's like i don't growing up the way that i did there was very much this and i think this is true for a lot of people who grew up in some sort of organized religion it was this sense that you needed to have the facts for something that is faith-based. You needed to be ready to like explain all of the inconsistencies and things and supernatural and stuff at any time. And it constantly left me feeling like I was ill-prepared for a never-ending test Mm -hmm. And there was just this embodied anxiety around like, oh, I'm never going to know enough. I'm not going to be able to explain it. I'm not going to be able to do la la la. And I think what's really shifted is like, it is shifting out of that kind of taught message that like, you're here to make sure everybody else gets this. And I think like the number one truth that I feel is like, this exists for me. Like, and everyone else has that same, like, birthright to the divine, to that connection. But it's like, first and foremost, this relationship exists for me. Like, I don't have to explain it to anyone. Like, I don't have to explain this felt sense that I have. And it's just interesting to think about how again, like you said, I don't, you don't, I also, I know for a fact that God is not in every church, but is in every heart and every body. Like I have felt God in the craziest places. Like I have felt even when I was away, quote unquote, even when I was not actively seeking a connection with God, Mm -hmm. I would, because God enters my body in an inhale and a really Mm -hmm. soft exhale with tears and it's different than like charged tears it's more those like when you see something that's so sweet it makes you well up Mm -hmm. and I have experienced that on a yoga mat I have experienced it in the back of like a Greek Greek Orthodox church in the south of France where they were doing the whole thing in Latin and I didn't understand a word it was being said. And there was like these crazy bells going on, but like, it just would hit me. And I felt it, you know, I felt it on the top of the mountain and in water and in nature, especially, and I felt it in your holy room yet, holy yes room. So it's something that is more felt than like logical for me. No,
1: yeah. I, I just want to honor everything you're saying. Cause it's, It is such an echo of truth and it is. I am so humbled hearing that. I'm not even gonna say thank you. Thank you, God. God is so, so good. So beautiful. The way that things fall into place because you could have been anywhere. Oh, yeah. And And, you were there
0: and I had a babysitter stay late. Like my husband was like, Oh, I'm not going to be home for a long, like I'm going to be late tonight. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to see if Shannon can stay so I can do it live. Cause I always, you are one of the few people who I will actually, I will go watch the replay. I will watch them when I have a chance because sometimes with the time difference, I can't make it live. But I just remember saying to my nanny, I was like, I would really love to go to this live. So, if you're free and could stay, it'd be so great. And I'll just like be in my office in this little workshop for a couple I of hours. i love envisioning this.
1: <laughs> this is so
0: cool. <laughs> They're like, so, because she's young and fun. And I was like, if you have plans, I totally understand. But if you can stay with the baby and put her to bed, I'm, I'm gonna hang
1: gonna just going out with God for a little bit. Yeah. I'm just
0: gonna be, well, I didn't know that was going to happen, but that yeah, did happen. <laughs> I did have it.
1: I thought it was no. clear in the description, but. I mean, it's it's me. I probably
0: was like hiding it from myself to be honest. Like I'm not saying at all that you pulled a fast one. I'm just I was not in that space. I think mm -hmm. I was like neutralizing it so that I could be available for it, which I have done to I'm sure lots of other things. Um, but yeah, I didn't know, didn't know any of that was going to come up or out either, but there it is. And this is, I mean, for all of you guys listening, this is the first time I've ever publicly talked about any of this. I don't think I've even gone through this whole like unraveling with my husband yet, because I literally haven't had the time. So
1: coming up as I'm hearing you speak. So like, as I'm hearing you speak, I keep feeling his energy. There's something that's going to further uncover because I remember when I first started to be more vocal about my relationship with Mm -hmm. God. And I thought, I do feel that everybody, not everybody, but in my experience and what I've seen that you start off on your own and it is a very personal connection. And then it's just so tender and so deep and so beautiful. What's the thing you want to do is share it and rejoice in it. That's the beauty of, of worship. That's the beauty of being in celebration once we let go of all the entanglement there's actually such celebration and sweetness and innocence there and eventually i remember praying into the vision that q would join me in that faith and we never talked about it before then we would be we were yoga teachers in a, in chicago together and so we had a spiritual practice right. but <laughs> you know even in the spiritual community it's a very hard line between Spirit and God, right? You don't, but that doesn't usually cross over. And so I started to be much more vocal, and then I began listening to my own pastors and just having my own experiences. And I knew, especially with him just being who he is, has to be his idea. There's no way I'm going to convince him (laughs) to come, you know, join me in this. And then our our best friend Jay invited us to church one Sunday. Said it, and Jay is the last person I ever thought was going to invite us to church. I go, what? This is amazing. I would love to go. I've been looking for something that is, that resonates with me and, you know, honors the word and honors all types of people and walks of life. And he invited us to church. And the minute I walk in, they're playing my favorite songs. Mm -hmm. There's music and just the feeling of love and the pastor wasn't aggressive. There was no forcefulness. It was just talking about the word and the different gospels talking about, you know, relationship with God, real life. And, you know, Q standing there and I'm like going crazy. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's vulnerable. It is so vulnerable to like publicly display, you know, your love for God. It's that's what you're feeling right now. It is uh, terrifying. And so I'm in this, in between two men who are like very, just, you know, like, on their own okay. path of coming closer. And I'm like going wild. And we've gone every Sunday since. And he, it is brought such a level, uh, a texture of depth to our relationship and we'll pray together sometimes and he'll pray now. And there's been so many beautiful things that have happened in his life that I I just, we both look at each other and we're like, we know, you know, that wasn't mm-hmm. happening before there's a deeper level of trust with life right now that didn't exist before. Mm. And so, I don't know when I, when you were talking, I just kept feeling that next chapter in its own way Uh will unfold. And the cool thing about all of this. And I think that our energy of this conversation is there's no demand or expectation. It's just like you said, the curiosity and the unfolding and the commitment to, to be a vital source for humanity. And what more authentic way to do that than go and be in harmony with the creator.
0: Well, and I just, I don't think that depth outside of recognition for our, you know, for that divinity and that source, like I don't know that it exists. Like it, and I'm talking about the depth, like, yes, you can, there's a level you can hang out on forever. Mm -hmm. If you choose to, that's okay. To me, that suddenly felt really tragic. I was like, yeah. I can't hang out on this where I'm at anymore. Like I need something else. Like I just need something yeah. else. And I appreciate you, you know, sharing that about you and Q. That feel, I mean, in this moment in time, that feels very far away and also uncomfortable. But I love that 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 is possible and that you're holding that. And I love mm-hmm. that that is happening for you. And again, like talking about evidence that that's something that can happen. And yeah, it's Mike It's the same way. Like he has his, he is on his own journey. We've talked about that from day one, but I think what's so interesting to me is that when we met, when I was 23, 31, mm-hmm. almost 32 now. And I remember telling him like at the height of my bitterness and rage and like running away from religion and all of those things. I remember telling him when we started dating, I was like, it's just important to me that, you know, that while I am not actively, like I don't consider myself a Christian, I don't go to church. I don't do any of that stuff actively. There may come a time in the distant future when I decide that I do want to do that again, and I don't want that to be a problem, and I don't want it to be a surprise if that
1: you're happens. Forecasting, I love that you're so, so far fine. in advance. It's temporary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am like, cool, like that's fine, like I whatever you need to do there, like that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I just think it's funny that even at that time when that was like the least interested I was in any kind of relationship exploration, anything, I was like, I just need this door to be open. Like I needed to stay cracked. Like I'm not, I'm willing to like turn away from it, but I'm not willing to close it. And I think that's super interesting.
1: Wow. I love that so much. And I always, I felt that too, with my 33rd birthday, you know, I do believe we get these premonitions and we just choose what we can with what we know. Like there's just so much grace. There's nothing wrong with how it all happened. It was all supposed to fly the way it, it did. And I truly believe that because when I look back, even on my journey, I, I, I wouldn't even utter the word. It just, you would, you wouldn't even recognize me, but I also ended up being a yoga teacher and ended up going on all these different retreats and teaching spirituality, but I was just dancing around an inevitable landing point. And I, I always said 33 was going to be the year that I return back to my original name. Turns out it was the year that I returned back to my original assignment with God. And, and that it's just unexplainable. Those moments when you look back at how life just worked and was always just the timing, you know the
0: timing of everything. Mm-hmm. Like everything, trusting timing has been something that I, I, I've had the wisdom and the connection and the like whispers of that always. Where it's like if something didn't happen this time, like it wasn't supposed to, and even the order. Like it might sound silly, but even the order that I feel called to, like watch replays of teachings or listen to podcasts or read books. Like I'll have a book that I'm so excited about, and it'll sit on my on my table, waiting and waiting, waiting. And I'll be like, I really want to read this book, but I don't start reading it. And then like three months later, I'll pick it up and open it. And the page that I'm on first is the one that I needed. And I wasn't ready for it a second sooner. And yep. I just think that is magical <laughs> and phenomenal. I love it. Uh, I don't even know what the hell I'm gonna call this conversation. I don't know what. So I'm open to t- title suggestions.
1: Taking title suggestions. It's title suggestions.
0: Um is there anything else I know I, I want to wrap you up, but also like, is there anything else around that reclamation of what full feels like your fullest, most potent self when you came out and you're like, yeah, I'm not Tori anymore. Like I'm Victoria. Like this is, I'm stepping into something. Like I know that at the time that I actually released this, you'll have had a whole nother wave of things happening. So this mm-hmm. would be a beautiful place for you to share about any of those. And also just like what what you're stepping into as Victoria and the need, Mm -hmm. the need to do that, like the urge to reclaim that part of yourself.
1: Yeah. For me, with Victoria, I explained this a little bit in my extended interview. It felt like I had been sitting with her for a year and really understanding what space you wanted to occupy and take up and move into. And for me, it's definitely live events. And so we have some amazing live events coming up in July and in the fall. And then our business company is going to be pivoting more towards supporting entrepreneurs with branding and developing their wealth identity and expression in a bigger way. So we have the House of We, which is our entry level global membership to start to revolutionize your relationship with money. And then one thing I've recognized on the path to seven figures is there's something that happens on the inside. So we have our external brand, but there's also our internal expression of that brand that starts to truly come alive. And the reason why I believe the documentary came out the way that it did and why I rolled it out that way is there's going to come a time where we build our own stage. And so we're going to be supporting six to seven figure entrepreneurs and building their own stage and redeveloping their brand identity through their body, not just through their fonts and colors, but through their whole being and their whole life. So we have an exciting mastermind coming up with that. That's going to have retreats and um, fun fact. I used to be a creative director. So essentially you'll have me on your team as a creative director. And I'm really excited to be in relationship with women in this deeper way and really pull out and draw out and evoke the bigger assignment that's in her throat, that's in her heart and bring it online or in person in a monumental way. So it's gonna, I have a a commitment to support eight millionaires this year and, and crossing that milestone and being not just the first, but a part of a village that is changing the face of wealth as the world knows it. So you can find me on Instagram at I am Tori- Victoria Washington, and that's where I usually post everything and hang out.
0: Okay. Well, I'll be getting on your calendar for next year too. So just like slate yourself in for year- annual, nothing. More Our annual conversations.
1: <laughs> when was the original one? I think it was, I think it was this time last year. Yeah. I think it was like March. Pretty
0: sure. It was I really March do because it was, because it was before it was definitely before you hit the million dollar mark. It was before, like, there's a lot of things that have happened for you, like since that conversation. So mm-hmm. it's been big. I, I was laughing again, like at the timing, right. Cause two things. So in the training that I watched that I finished this afternoon, um, the, the manifesting through embodiment, Mm-hmm. You're talking about. I don't. When did you record that one? For context,
1: sometime in the summer, I think.
0: Okay, of last year.
1: Yeah. So you were talking
0: about. You're like in there. And you're talking about. You're like. I mean, like, would I like to have a G class? Sure, that'd be cool. But also, I said that in that training. Edit in the training. Uh, and she has a G wagon now, y'all, and not just a G wagon. She has like a G sixty-three. Oh, a gray with. <laughs> saddle brown leather interior like it just it makes you want to cry oh god oh so beautiful but you said that in there I and i was did, like i
1: did this is girl, huge girl and it was
0: so that was amazing and then right at the end of it you were you had come full circle and you were talking about prayer and it was like the tiniest little blip at the end and you were like and just i don't know who needs to hear this right now but just like Put down the religious trauma, like and any sense about like praying or whatever. And I was just like, God damn it!
1: Sometimes just again. So there because was, there was a bunch of stuff In there. the room, you know, I've had mm-hmm. people ask, like, "Is House of Weird Church?" And I'm like, "Listen." I'm not going to micromanage. Of sorts, but out. no, yeah. I, I can't. I don't know how to answer that. You can make and it so, your
0: church if you want to, but that is not required. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm not in control of that. It's just so funny because I tell our team is always, you know, we're always trying to make the space more upgraded. But I told them, like we're going to leave these videos in here. We're not changing them because they t- all tell a story. And when I open doors next year, who knows where we're going to be, they'll get to hear that and see what is now. There's something that happens. But I've had this temptation to re-record everything and update the branding, and I'm like, you know what? No, no it's it's like it. a raw <laughs> file. It's like a raw documentation of a it true is. story and well, well the yeah the actual journey and
0: and yeah. like what was happening even just months what turned out to be like months before what came. I had no to
1: idea. I'm gonna go back and find that. You
0: have to. <laughs> it. it- the other thing you said was about your vision about your party and wearing a red dress. So I had to go back and see if you wore a red dress and you chose a different outfit, which is fine. But the, the overall red dress was
1: the documentary, though. Was the documentary. So the red dress oh has made God. its appearance. And I was just like, holy shit, this is That's wild. wild. I listened to that today. Okay. Right after this, I'm going to Yeah, go find it. it. Okay. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> well, you guys are welcome. You experienced Victoria, Washington. Um, for the first time as Victoria Washington, but you have mm-hmm. experienced this woman's brilliance and heart and depth and fearlessness for a second time. And I am so grateful to you for saying yes.
1: And there's really nothing else that needs to be said. Thank you. So. I adore you. I love you. Thank you, love for, you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Hands on my heart. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening with an open and curious mind. Anne Voskamp says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. I would be so grateful for your help to expand the safety we're creating here by subscribing, rating, and sharing this show with the folks you love. Let's keep nothing important confidential.